Good morning, church. I'm really excited to be here with you this morning. As they said, my name is Robert Krauss, uh, and I'm excited to be bringing a message to you today about Christmas. Tis the season, right? So last month, we've been talking about a bunch of different things, um, but today we're going to be talking about Christmas present. And I thought a lot about what the concept of Christmas is and how we celebrate it, and I started to think about how we got into the Christmas spirit, and my wife and I joked because everybody started getting into the Christmas, it seemed like in, what, September, October <laughs> this year, uh, way before uh, Thanksgiving. Last week, Evan talked about Christmas past and talked about Adam and Eve and how they brought sin into the world, and then he talked about the new Adam, Jesus, and how he broke that cycle of sin. And this week, I get to talk to you about Christmas present, and as I began to think about talking about Christmas present, I thought, thought about Christmas presents, and so I looked online and found the top 10 list of Christmas presents this year and see if this thing works, and I have them up on the screen, so if you're still looking for some items, I have some items for you. This is from the Rolling Stones. This is not my list. I take no credit for this, and uh, I do have to disclose that I do work for Apple, but there's a couple of Apple products on this list. I don't get any credit for this. I don't get a commission from any of these items, but this is Apple AirPods, a great gift to give. They do have noise cancellation for parents, not that I ever use it. Um, the next one is a karaoke machine. Uh, this ended up on one of our kids' lists. Um, we got it, and I don't know where it is anymore. Because uh, it was such a great gift. Um, the next one is a uh, robot vacuum, uh, which is a great gift to give. It cleans your house for you. Uh, the next one is for you meat people out there. I'm not really into smoking meat, but a lot of my family is, and this is a great gift to give. Uh, it allows you to set your temperatures. A lot of them, the phone will actually do some stuff for you. It, I don't know. I don't understand it. The next one is uh, something I probably need to get is, is a Kindle, which would force me to read more than I do right now, uh, which would be a good thing to get. The next one is a little bit more practical given the winter season, a puffer jacket. Uh, apparently, when I watch videos online, I constantly get these ads for puffer jackets. I guess it thinks I need one. Uh, this one is, uh, I guess, a testament of the time. It's an air purifier. I had never seen one of these on a top 10 list before, but I guess given the, the years that we've been in, air purifier made the top 10 list. Uh, here's a Theragun. I don't know if you guys have heard of this before, but I've been working out, and it's a great gift that actually massages your muscles for you. Full disclosure, my brother used my Theragun on my sister-in-law, and I think popped one of her crowns out, so just be careful when you're <laughs> using this. Uh, or did so it was not good. Uh, another Apple product, again, shameless plug, uh, Apple Watch, a great gift to give uh, to help you keep in shape. And then the final one was a smart pan or an every pan or some type of ceramic pan. I'm seeing some shaking heads. I, I put it on there because it was on the list, but a lot of great ideas. Uh, we know what we want. Some of these items may be on your list. Uh, you may have different items on your list. You may not even told anybody what's on your list, but expect them to get what's on the list that's in your head. Not that that happens to anybody in here. Um, it may not even be stuff. It may be a feeling that you want. It may be a connection with someone in your family that you want. But we know what we want 
But today we're going to look at this passage and, and think through what does Christ want from us? It's easy to think through what we want, but it can be difficult and challenging to think through what Christ wants for us. His desires are laid out very clearly in this passage that we'll look at here in Matthew. For us as believers, this time of year reminds us of the beauty of God's gift to us, His Son, to reunite us to Him. Although Jesus came as a seemingly insignificant baby, born in a manger in a little town of Bethlehem, His purpose was so much greater. He came to set things right for not only Israel, but for the whole world, for all nations, all tribes, all people, all languages. We named our youngest child Mary partly because of the connection with Mary, the mother of Jesus. Jesus' mother thought through her decision to participate in the angel's call to carry baby Jesus. She considered all of these things, the Bible said, to help bring the Lord of lords and King of kings into this world. She helped usher in the promise of Christmas first foretold in the New Testament. And for that reason, we love the song, Mary, Did You Know? I especially love singing the title to my daughter whenever she asks a question. She doesn't enjoy it, but I do, and that's what it's all about. But there's a lot of power in that song if you think about it. It says, Mary, did you know that your baby boy would walk on water? Save our sons and daughters. Make us new and deliver you. Church, there is so much power in the name of Jesus. Today, when we look at Matthew 8, 18 through 22, and assess the weight of the following, of following such a man as a disciple, it's important that we don't hastily run into this decision. Say, I want to follow you. But we also must prioritize him above all else, especially this time of year with all of the distractions that we face. We have to weigh out what it means to follow this King of Kings and this Lord of Lords personally as we enter into Christmas. First, we'll see in this passage that following Jesus requires sacrifice. When we read the scripture, it says, Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus' popularity was blossoming. It was booming, actually. Thousands of people were following him every single day. He was doing miracles, changing a boy's lunch into a feast, helping the lame walk, the blind to see. He was getting a lot of attention, which can be seen here in the size of the crowd that Jesus actually wanted to remove himself from. So it is not shocking that someone like a scribe, someone from the church, would express their allegiance to him in such a dramatic way. This scribe wanted to follow Jesus but I'm not sure he first considered the cost of that pursuit. Jesus pulls back the curtain on what kind of life he was living to see if this individual wanted to live that same life. Jesus turned, I picture him looking back to him as he's getting on the boat, looking at the scribe saying, foxes have holes 
And birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man, talking about Himself, has nowhere to lay His head. Living as a disciple of Jesus does not mean our life will be filled with luxuries. It doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. Our pursuit is what Jesus is saying here requires commitment. He wants us to count the cost of pursuing Him. It is so easy to think about this time of year, the warm and fuzzy parts of Christmas, the pretty lights on a tree, the manger that's sitting somewhere in our house, whether it be ceramic or plastic if you have little kids. But the truth of the matter is, from day one, the manger was Jesus' reality as a baby. Not a pretty crib that swung itself and vibrated to put him to sleep. And the cross was his destiny on earth. And the in-between, the manger and the cross, was not lived in the Ritz-Carlton, but rather on the go as he ministered and served his Father's purpose on the earth. This is the reality that Jesus wanted this man to realize. That if you want to follow me, this is the cross that you too have to bear. And so I started looking at myself wondering, what am I willing to give up to follow Jesus? And I'll ask you the same thing. What are you willing to give up to follow Jesus? Do we realize that the pursuit of Jesus will require sacrifice on our part? Not only does it require sacrifice, but when we look at this next part, we realize that following Jesus requires high standards. The first person in this passage wanted to follow Jesus without counting the cost, and the next person needs to consider his priorities. Here we see a man, again, as Jesus is trying to get on the boat, call out and say, Lord, hold on, let me first go bury my father. This second man wanted to tend to the priorities and needs of his family. A bad priority? No. But the best priority? No. A great businessman, Jim Collins, once said, good is the enemy of great. Jesus doesn't want good from us. He wants greatness. Which is why this was Jesus' response to that man. Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. At first, when I was given this passage to read, I was like, serious? Mom just passed away in March, and this is the message that you're giving me to read? Thanks, Alan. But I realized, based on several commentaries, that this man, his father hadn't actually died yet. The father was still around. He may have been ill. He may have been in the process of dying, or he could have just been advanced in years. But Jesus gave a very real response to this man's desire to pursue him. Jesus highlights in his response that there's nothing that should take precedence over following Jesus. Worshiping every, every, every morning, or in every day, especially here in service, my wife and I share, we picture our parents in heaven. What are they doing up there? What does it look like? What does it feel like up there? And I know as I picture my mom worshiping in heaven that she is looking down on me saying, Robert, don't think about, don't worry about me. You follow Jesus. I know that's her response. 
And so every day I try to take that into mind and consider what does it look like today, Robert, to follow Jesus, regardless of family. Because it's so easy for us to get caught up in what is happening with our lives, with our families and their needs and what's required of us from them, for our loved ones, for our friends, for our kids. Doesn't the list go on and on and on, all of the things that call for our attention? So I began to wonder, how do I keep my eyes on Jesus? And tend to these matters, which are, yes, important, but keeping Jesus as number one. Because ultimately, church, there is nothing more important than our pursuit of Jesus. Not our loved ones, not our own health, finances, popularity, legacy, notoriety, preferences, or priorities. Jesus has to be our number one. Now, I was considering this message. I looked up some quotes, and, and Dietrich Bonhoeffer is a famous theologian who wrote a great book called The Cost of Discipleship. That is a book I've actually read that's really good. Uh, it's been a while ago. But the, he says in this book, the cross is laid on every Christian. The first Christ suffering, which every man must experience is the call to abandon the attachments of this world. Now, does that mean our families are not important? I'm not saying that this morning. I love my family. Does it even take into consideration the top 10 list that was fun and exciting to look at as we think about Christmas? No, of course not. We are to be in this world, and God has given us joy and excitement for a reason. But... It does mean that we have to measure for ourselves where our focus is. Do we put more emphasis on what this life brings us, or do we emphasize the one that brings us life? Jesus. Because when we abandon the attachments of this world, we see Bonhoeffer explain why we do this. It is that dying of the old man which is the result of, of an encounter with Christ. As we embark upon discipleship, we surrender ourselves to Christ in union with his death, and we give our lives over to that same death. We abandon those things in this world so that we can truly encounter Jesus. Now, I saw a man walking out of the mall, and he had his hands just chock full of, you could clearly tell he was the the goat and there the donkey in the family carrying everything around in his hands. And that picture reminded me as we experience this abundance that this life has, which is truly amazing, we can't experience the abundance that Christ has for us if our hands are full of things from this world. It's just not possible. You can't grab something else if your hands are already full. When we die to our desires, our priorities, and turn to abide in him, that is when we can truly experience and encounter the Savior of the world as he intends. Bonhoeffer goes on to say, this it begins. The cross is not the terrible end to an otherwise God-fearing and happy life, but it meets us at the beginning of our communion with Christ. When Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. Now, this is where Alan would lean in and say, come in close, church. Walking with Christ provides us with grace every morning to start afresh. 
right now is an opportunity to stop and make sure our priorities are set straight. Now, I've been reading a devotion with my children every morning as I wait for them to get out of the car to go to church or go into school. And uh, we've been reading through one section and it had us read Isaiah 9. And if you're familiar with this, it says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government is upon his shoulders, and his name is called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. The point of the, the study was then to have a dialogue with your family or with whoever was reading it with you and say, what do those names mean to you? And it was really special to have my kids start talking about the names of Jesus with me. Jesus is a wonderful counselor, is he not, church? He provides wisdom and discernment and is a leader worth trusting and following. Jesus is a mighty God. God with us, a powerful yet humble king. He is an everlasting and eternal father. He is the best father, and he is the prince of peace. One day when we surrender our lives to him, we will not, no longer struggle or fight with one another. This is the true gift of Christmas. Jesus came to set a new standard for us as his creation. Surely there is no one or nothing else that should take our attention or focus as he does. Now don't get me wrong, following Jesus is hard. It requires sacrifice because he has high standards. But following him is so worth it because of the abundance that he provides us. I want to take a moment here as we wrap up today to read through the Christmas story and consider Jesus. If you've never accepted Jesus' free gift of salvation for him to be your Savior and Lord, I welcome you to consider that as we read through these verses. Now, I want us all to close our eyes. As I read the story, I'm going to ask you to picture yourselves in the different scenarios within this story. The Bible says in Luke, while they were there, Mary and Joseph, the time came for the baby to be born. And Mary gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available to them. Now church, picture yourself with Mary and Joseph meeting Jesus for the first time and wrapping this sweet, precious gift with care before placing him in the manger. Consider what your life was when you first met Jesus. How did you respond to his presence in your life? Consider now, sitting with Mary and Joseph, what does his presence mean to you? And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, 
and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Church, what would it look like for all your worries, your fears, concerns, distractions to be quieted right now by the knowledge that Jesus cares about you? In the midst of your daily life, Jesus desires to meet you and peacefully say, do not be afraid. That thing you're scared of, don't be. I bring you good news of great joy. Rest in him this morning. Finally, let's go back to Mary sitting next to that manger. It says, Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds had just left. The chaos and confusion that ensued with animals entering into her precious little space. Mary had a chance to calm down and reconsider her situation. She pondered all of these things in her heart, it says. Church, what are you wrestling with this, this Christmas season? Mary was willing to say yes to God's call to use her. Are you? My prayer is that you make a decision today whether you've committed your life to Jesus years ago or you haven't yet made that decision to follow him. You can simply say in your heart this morning the following, Jesus, I want to follow you today. I've counted the cost. I've looked at and considered and weighed my priorities. And I want you, Jesus, above all else. Because you truly are the best Christmas gift I can receive and give to others. Let's pray. God, thank you for your gift, your son, who came down and lived among us in the muck and mire of our lives and showed us what it's like to live a life fully devoted to you. God, in the chaos and hustle and bustle of this season, would we consider for ourselves what it means to pursue you? Would we understand the sacrifice that's required? Would we understand the high expectations and priorities that you have placed on us as your disciples? And Father, at the end of all of that consideration, would you give us the strength and knowledge and peace to say, yes. I want to follow you. Help me, Lord, to follow you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.